Hello, I'm Di Redmond and I'm your host for this season's Songs in the Wilderness. In this programme, we listen to the songs that have influenced our guests throughout their life and have influenced their faith too. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Derek Williams, a Catholic lay evangelist who has been involved in evangelising since February 1990. Thanks for joining us today, Derek. I assume you're talking to me from your lovely home, just across the fields from the National Shrine of Our Lady, I think. Good morning, Diane. Hello. Yes, um, just about a mile from the shrine. Uh, it's a beautiful morning here in Norfolk. It's a bit overcast, but it's gorgeous in the garden. Yeah, a nice, slightly crisp autumn feel to it. It's lovely. Which of the snorings are you? I never know. It's not the snoring. It's about a mile from Great Snoring. It's in East Barsham, oh, just in the course. little valley. Oh, it's so beautiful there. And that lovely Barsham Hall as well. Yes, it's been renovated. They're spending millions on it. So it's actually looking quite impressive at the moment. Wow. Mm, any excuse to go to Norfolk and check out things? Yes, anyway. please do. <laughs> I will. Don't, don't need a second invitation. So, Derek, let's go back to 2003. I quote you when I say this was a time of discernment when God called you into, again, I quote you, the harvest field. How did this momentous time come about through a lot of pain and suffering <laughs> i was working in investment management and i'd been doing really well i've been doing it for eight years and my salary over that eight year period had tripled <laughs> so it was really a job that i was thoroughly enjoying and then in the august of 2003 Things just went downhill. I just felt I was in the wrong place. Mm. And it's almost like a phrase I use, the grace left the job. And I knew that I, was in, I wasn't where God wanted me. And I went to speak to a vicar friend of mine called Rocky Sturt. Um, and uh, uh, he showed me a book called, If You Want to Walk on the Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. <laughs> and when he, yeah. Well, when he gave me the book... I had such a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, I was on the floor in his office. It was overwhelming. And I knew that I was being called out of my job. Um, but my wife wasn't so keen. I'm just thinking, I'm really, really with her. I mean, that must have been a terrible, terrible shock. Or, or had well, she got some inclination where things were going? I, oh, I always had an inclination. I knew I oh, was knew. called to be in Yes, always knew it. I always knew God wanted me to be an evangelist. I'd given up my, my first job as an engineer when I was 25 to become a full-time lay evangelist in Birmingham. Oh. And then I went back into investment management when I got married. And so I'd been doing the job for eight years. And so I knew that God wanted me to be in evangelization. Um, but my wife had got used to, uh, well, we both had, we got used to very comfortable salary. Um, we didn't have to worry about the pennies. Um, shopping was no problem. Uh, we had our budgets covered. Everything was hunky-dory financially. And we had a nice, stable home life, a couple of children. And then husband comes home from work one day and says, I think I've got to quit my job. It's going to be a <laughs> shock to the system. And we didn't know why. We didn't know why. All I knew was the time had come to an end. But I persevered till October when I was on the edge of a nervous breakdown. Oh, ha I saw ha you're galloping here, Derek. Two things. <laughs> one is you quit, your, you quit your job, but the wife, uh, with respect, your wife, hadn't quit that job. She had to get ahead round that. 
and then you have a nervous breakdown. I mean, these are huge domestic upheavals. <laughs> well, I should say my wife was didn't have a job to quit, so she was actually a full-time housewife and mother. Um, so I was the only breadwinner in right. the house at mm. the time. Okay, even more terrifying. And, <laughs> yes. Um, so it was uh, that 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 was a process that we just worked through until October, when I we both went to see my spiritual director. And my spiritual director said one very telling sentence. He said, you're chasing shadows. Mm. Ask God to make it clear. Ten days later, I was in the doctor's surgery, shaking. Oh, Derek. And the doctor said to me, and it was about 9 a.m., the doctor said to me, you've got to quit your job. So God was making it very clear. <laughs> um, and I couldn't actually talk to the doctor for a quarter of an hour. I was crying couldn't talk and he said to me he said to me listen i had a 12 year old girl in here not so long ago with terminal cancer oh, goodness. he said life is too short you'll rebuild your life you're intelligent you're skilled you'll recover from this and you'll be fine he says but if you stay in what you're doing now in the state that you're in you're going to have a complete breakdown and you won't recover <gasps> heavens yeah God made it clear, Di. <laughs> you know, Derek, I think I need a music break. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> it's, it's your first choice, um, and it's by Don Francisco. And it's, That's it. He's alive. <laughs> That's it. And Don Francisco gives a narrative of Resurrection Sunday. And I love this song because it begins very gently, very subtly, where he weaves a narrative. But then as it gets towards the end, it explodes. So enjoy. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness, rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear the day. Find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle, a voice began to call. I hurried to the window and looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches sound of soldiers' feet But there was no one there but Mary So I went down to let her in John stood there beside me As she told us where she'd been She said they've moved him in the night None of us knows where The stone's been rolled away And now his body isn't there Ran toward the garden, then John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. How or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Just 
Something strange had happened there, but just what I didn't know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high, 'cause I'd seen them crucify him. Then I saw him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame. 'Cause when at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. Even if he was alive. Strange and sweet perfume, light that came from everywhere, drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before him, with his arms held open wide. I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet, and as I looked into his eyes. Love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. Thanks for that, Derek.、Um, so we're at the point where you're in the middle of a breakdown. You've changed your lifestyle. You've left your job. How does all this pan out? And how did you going out into the spiritual wilderness seem even doable when you were in charge of your mental condition? It's all a bit dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I'm sure.、Um, <laughs> to me, it sounds incredibly dramatic, but I'm sure, in retrospect, because you know the journey, it 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 would be very comforting for others to hear how you circumnavigate that kind of drama. Yeah, it took me a few weeks to make the decision to resign. So、um, when I went to see the doctor,、um, I, I, he gave me some um, um, obviously antidepressants. Headed down to mass.、Um, Which was I knew where the church was and everything, and、um, it was just five minutes from the surgery. 
And that gospel, I felt the Lord really saying to me, pay attention in my heart. And the words were John 14. I've gone to place it off John 15. I can't remember that. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And when I've prepared the place, I'll take you to where I am. And so I knew the Lord was in charge. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and then I went home. Lynn and I had a few weeks of prayer because I was off sick. Um, and um, over those few weeks, we sort of prayed and talked about what we need to do. Um, my family thought I'd completely lost it, both sides, both my own family and my in-laws. They all thought I was making a really bad decision. It was all about the stiff upper lip and fighting through and being a man and standing firm, even though I had, I had uncontrollable shakes um, and I was um, not sleeping well. Um, I actually thought at one point I was having a heart attack. Um, so it was pretty dramatic stuff. Um, but Lynn and I both agreed on the 1st of November, I would resign. Mm -hmm. And so 1st of November, uh, 2003, I slipped into the office. I think it was the 1st of November anyway. I slipped into the office on a Saturday morning when no one was around, tidied up my desk, left my note of resignation and never went back. Um, work contacted me shortly after, offered me three months of sick leave. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but I said to Lynn, you know, I can't accept it. I'm not going back. If I was to accept that sick leave, I'd be thinking about going back and I'd be deceiving them. Yeah, you crossed so the Rubicon. Yeah. Yeah, you crossed the river. So it's it's time to it's it's quit. I, and it says, you know, we both know God wants us to live by faith. So we trust that God will provide for us. The interesting thing is that just three months beforehand, we'd cleared out our savings account, building a new conservatory. Oh, <laughs> so no! we had no we had no savings. <laughs> but you had a conservatory. <laughs> <laughs> we had a nice conservatory to live in. <laughs> um, oh, I know, it's all good fun. So I then went to a prayer meeting in Birmingham where I used to be a re very regular. We lived in Peachwood this time. And there was this guy speaking called Paul Miller. And he's very significant to the story. Um, so he prayed with me after this meeting. And he had a picture of me and my family in a boat. And we came to a beach and there was a flagpole and we lifted it up. And in the flagpole, he was saying, there are clear instructions as to what God wants you to do. He said, God will reveal to you in the new year, January 20th, 2004, what he wants from you. Um, and so that, that was where we were. That was November. So, yeah. But uh, all, uh, this is literally walking on water. Well, if you want to get out of the boat, if you want to walk yeah, on the yeah. water, <laughs> you've got but, to get out of the boat. But, I mean, without, without Lynn's support, that would have been really, really unbearable, wouldn't it? Oh, it would have been impossible. Uh, Lynn, had to, we, Lynn and I had to come into agreement, but she saw the difference in me. Once I resigned from my job, everything became much more peaceful. The, the load was off and mm. I felt like a million dollars. And we would just spend every single day, the children were at school at this point, we'd spend every day spending hours just quietly praying and seeking the Lord every single day as a couple. And then um, mm. in, in, in December, um, the doctor, I went back to him and he said, listen, the drugs you're on, you should be on for six months. But he said, I see such a remarkable change in you. I'm going to take you off them because I, I've never seen a change like this. You're peaceful, you're calm, you're relaxed. He said, you've done the right thing. So he was phenomenal. Goodness me. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> We've got to move to the next one or else we'll be talking all day. Um, so your next choice is, oh, this has got a lovely title, Quiet You With My Love by Rebecca St. James. Yeah, this is a real powerful song, though, a real upbeat one. And what I love about this song is she quotes Jesus talking about, come to me all who labour and I will give you rest. And at this time in my life, when I was back then, rest was essential. So take it away, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Come to me. This morning, uh, our choices have been chosen by our guest, Derek Williams. 
and we'd love to know if any of the choices have inspired you or do you have any personal connections with hymns or worship music yourself? If so, please email us at music at radiomariaengland.uk. We'd love to expand our library, our music library, and we would really appreciate your suggestions. So, Derek, back to you. Tell us about, you left us on a cliffhanger, tell us about <laughs> the instructions that you were given in 2004. Okay, so literally January 2004, I think it was actually New Year's Day, and I received an email from my first mentor in the Word of God, a man called Eddie Russell, who lived in Australia. And uh, he was looking to expand his ministry into Europe. And he sent me an email saying, Dear Derek, um, really glad to hear that you've stepped out um, and you're coming into the harvest field. Um, we would like you to be our representative in the UK. And yes. would you would you take the baptism of fire around England? Um, and so this this became my scripture for the next few years. Um, John the Baptist saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the thong of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm -hmm. and, and so I then started to get out of nowhere invitations by email, by phone call and so on, by word of mouth people asking me to come and to bring the fire and it was um it was amazing i would just i mean i was terrified i'd go out absolutely terrified thinking what if the fire doesn't come lord <laughs> <laughs> but i tell you every group i went to people were experiencing the most powerful things um just in, even when i was talking even when i was talking so did you feel like you were a vehicle Oh, yeah, definitely. A channel of an instrument of grace. Definitely. And the Lord had taken me to, you know, we played that first song, He's Alive. Um, and he'd watched Jesus being crucified. And I'd gone th through my own death and resurrection. And my wife had seen me go through it. Um, and then that second song, you know, come to me all who labor and I will give you rest. And I learned to rest in the Lord. And rest became a very, very important part of what I was doing because I would see people who were so stressed from life mm. and I would preach the gospel to them and bring them into a place where they could rest in the fiery presence of God. And it was beautiful. But Derek, didn't you feel in turn just completely emptied out? Yeah, <laughs> I felt completely wiped out. Yeah. No, okay, okay, let me go back to this again because um, the ministry slowly moved forward, but it took a year. Okay, so it didn't really take until 2005 until things really started to shift. So basically, I had a year of doing occasional events here and there, but lots of time to study the Word of God, lots of time to actually go over and over again the covenants that I'm teaching on Radio Maria at the moment. Of course, yes. So it was a time of great prayer, great rest, and having my tank filled right up. So when I went, when I was go when I finally really started to get out there, um, I was I was feeling um, renewed, completely renewed. Extraordinary. So when you were going, because um, you were basically a peripatetic preacher at this time. 
Wow, that's a word I haven't used before. Parapatetic. You see, I call myself an itinerant evangelist, but I like parapatetic. No, pa- I'm going to remember that. Parapatetic is um, it's it's actually <laughs> nicked from the Greeks. It's what Pla- I think it was Plato who did, and it basically means teaching in the olive groves. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, I'm, 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 look I'm that sure I'm up. embellishing it, but it just means on the hoof. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was me. That uh, was me. But then I would also teach something that lots of people who are listening in might know about, a seminar called Set My People on Fire, mm-hmm. which was a 15-week in-depth Bible seminar. And I taught that in about over a period of several years in different parishes, and it was just phenomenal. We would get an amazing response. Very how intensive many, course. How many people would turn up at what, any one time? Generally, 100 plus. Heavens, it's a big crowd. Yeah. It was great fun. (laughs) You can tell. You're loving every minute. Right, we're on to number three already. I can only imagine this is your third choice. Why have you chosen this, Derek? Oh, when I first started going to charismatic prayer groups in the early 90s, this was released and obviously didn't have the internet back then. But everyone loved this song. I adored it. And it's made a comeback recently with the new DVD they've made of the film. So, yeah, love it. Let's hear it. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dare? To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine.
can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. That was I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me, Derek Williams' third choice of music this morning. Um, So, Derek, your hectic life. But actually, I say that, but your life also sounds sort of deeply embedded in great peace and acceptance and joy, which I sort of envy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I kind of hope so, the, um, because um, after pushing myself to the absolute limit in investment management and being surrounded by people having breakdowns, um, you start to take on a different angle on life. And um, I was at an event with some other leaders many years ago, and one of the words given to us at that meeting was minister from a place of rest. Mm. So I determined that I would... Um, try to take as much rest as I possibly could, not to work myself into the ground anymore like everyone else around me that I see happening, and just to make sure that I'm spending time with God in order to make sure that the um, interior reservoir is always filled up. Yeah. And you've got lots to give. Only because the reservoir is topped up. You see, God ministers to us from an overflow so we should always minister to others from an overflow, never from my lack. That's lovely. That's a lovely thought. But back to your, I, I am going to go back to your hectic life. Um, after all the extensive travelling and the parish mm-hmm. seminars and leading retreats, speaking at conferences, writing books and producing videos, you made yet another life-changing <laughs> Uh, decision and this was in i think 2016 it was it began in 2015 when i was out running with my dog in the morning and i flipped over him and broke my rib cage and had to take some lot of time off work off, off evangelization i was bedridden for a while and in that time my wife and i felt that the lord was calling us elsewhere and the doorway opened up for us to move into the walsingham area Oh, it was only um, then you moved. You only moved in 2006. I, so, OK, I've got my head. I thought you were always in Walsingham for like 2004. No, no, no. Uh, 2004, we were living in Lincolnshire. Uh, okay. um, so in, uh, in 2016, 2015, that happened. And we sold the house in 2016 and moved here in May 2016. Um, and I was still travelling, but I also got a, a position at the Shrine um, and um, in the September of that year, the Feast of Our Lady of Walsingham, Our Lady had been working on me for a few months to lay down my ministry and take a sabbatical from the work of evangelization. And one of the reasons I chose the song I can only imagine that we've just listened to is because he's talking about our end, our natural end, when we're going to be coming face to face with God. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, for me, the ministry wasn't God. It could become God very easily. Um, And so it was a case of setting my eyes on God and saying, okay, Lord, this is your ministry, not mine. I'm laying it down. I'm going to give away. I had a charity um, and I gave away a charity to a good friend of mine called Gary Stevens, who runs New Dawn. 
And I also gave him my, I had a car, a nice Mercedes, which had been given to me. So I also gave Gary that because he needed a car. And I said, right, that's it. I'm laying everything down. And, you know, the day I did it, my last occasion was in Manchester on the Feast of Our Lady of Walsingham. And I walked away from that meeting feeling incredibly peaceful, really happy. Um, And I just knew I was in the right place. And so I had a six-year sabbatical. (laughs) I've got to ask the question, how did you get back from Manchester if you'd given away your car? <laughs> oh, sorry, no, no. I drove away from Manchester on that occasion and then I kept the car for a little while. Okay. Um, but then I heard Gary, Gary got in touch with me and said he was having problems travelling around. And I just said, well, you can have my car then. It was just spur of the moment. I said it was Brilliant. given to me, you can have it. So, yeah. <laughs> and then there you are in Walsingham and the family are there and... How did all that pan out? I mean, I cannot think of anything more glorious than being instructed by the Lord to go to Walsingham. <laughs> you know, just get there. I, I just can't. But then when you get there, what do you do? You know, you, unfortunately, you had that position which came very quickly, I assume, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the position came within weeks of moving here. It was an unexpected position. I originally moved here to set up Radio Maria in England, but that oh, project fell through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, then, and then fortunately, you guys picked that up a few years ago. So the team who set up Radio Maria came to see me at Walsingham a few years ago, and that was amazing. Um, but yeah, so the original plan was I would bring Radio Maria to Walsingham, but um, the rector couldn't couldn't do it. He couldn't do the priest director and be rector of the shrine. It was too much. Um, so that fell through. And instead, I, I ran with a charity called the Guild of Our Lady of Ransom. Mm-hmm. I organized, helped organize, part of the team organizing the diary tour of Our Lady of Walsingham. And the rededication of England as a diary of Mary. Um, and um, my last job at the shrine was working as a sacristan. Um, so how is it? How is life here? Life here is an incredibly intensive purification. The most intensive purification I've experienced in my life. Right. Um, it's um, because Our Lady's shrine, she is not willing to just live with lukewarm Catholics. She <laughs> wants every one of us on fire for Jesus, whether we like it or not. If we move here, if we give Our Lady our fiat, she sets to work on us. <laughs> wow. And one of the things she said to work on me was um, learning to rest, solitude, and silence. And I, uh, I started off here working in an office with... I think there were four of us in that office when I started. Within six months, everyone else had left the office, and I had the office to myself for two years. So I was in place of complete solitude while I worked. And you were right next to the actually next to the church, the basilica. Yeah, it was fifty feet. It was about fifty meters from the basilica. So yeah. I'd go to daily mass, daily adoration. I had it written into my contract that I could attend daily mass and daily adoration. So it's part of my job to go in there every single day, and I could get to confession two to three times a week, which I needed. <laughs> Um, How do you believe I, that, Derek? I'll <laughs> tell you, when the, when Our Lady starts working on you, you realise you've got a lot to confess. Ooh, you're a brave man. <laughs> um, and we had a great community over the last six years. There's been about 15 to 20 families moving to the village. So it's been fantastic. It's incredible. It's incredible. We're on to a fabulous song, Oceans by Hillsong yeah. United. Please tell us why you chose this, because it's a quite dramatic piece. <laughs> 
Well, this was released a few years ago when I was in the midst of my sabbatical, and it was really me. It was, you know, walking on the water and trust, 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 and trust. So it's all about trusting in the Lord, and I just love it. The power of this song is sensational. Here we are in Walsingham, huge commitment, and doing the tour of the Diary of Mary, which was quite significant. I can remember that vividly. Every cathedral and over 800,000 people dedicated themselves to Our Lady in a special way. Um, But that wasn't enough for God. So in May of this year, um, I had a chat with my spiritual director. In fact, it wasn't even a chat. He texted me. He said, Derek, your sabbatical is over. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And four weeks later, with my wife's full agreement, with the agreement of all my friends and all my family, everyone was on board, um, I resigned from my job at the Shrine. And I remember the day after I resigned, it was the Feast of Jesus Christ, the Eternal High Priest. I felt like a million dollars. I felt like a huge weight had gone off my shoulders. Felt really, really happy and peaceful. And I just knew that here we go again. We're walking underwater once again. And we've been doing it now since, so it's now October, living by faith, trusting in providence. And it's been phenomenal. God has really provided for us. And I'm speaking on Radio Maria every week, every Tuesday. I'm giving Zoom conferences, um, um, traveling a little bit. Um, But, you know, um, I'm ministering to loads of people. So a big thing I'm giving at the moment is spiritual direction for people. Loads of people just want a bit of a guidance with their interior life. Mm. So it's been phenomenal. Absolutely wonderful. So life's come around full circle. You're back evangelizing for the Lord again. I mean, not that you've ever stopped, but now actually officially. Well, yeah, but it's like this this last song that we're going to sing, the Revelation song. 
the Revelation song is about the veil being pulled back and Jesus revealing himself in all of his glory. And this is what the ministry is about now. It's about drawing back the veil and letting people encounter Christ with no dilution of the word, with fire, with zeal and with peace. Wonderful. Derek Williams' final choice on this week's Songs in the Wilderness. Derek, it's been so electrifyingly good to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know what it's like living That's with you. That's fantastic. Life, life must be free. Actually, your, your wife must go out and wonder when she comes back with the shopping or just done some work. You're wondering, coming home, I wonder what Derek's up to now. <laughs> we have some interesting conversations. <laughs> But thank you, Di. It's been a joy to be on Radio Maria. I love supporting this station. It's superb. Yeah, I see it. It's brilliant, especially with people like you around. Lots well, of Thank love. you very much. Bye. Have a good day. God bless you. Thanks, Derek. You can listen to Songs in the Wilderness live every Wednesday at 11.15.
Thank you.